This is a throwdown, a showdown. Hell no, Rob Faye Nation can't slow down. It's gonna go. What is going on? I'm Rob Faye. Welcome to your Monday edition of Sports Bar Radio. It is the 23rd day of August, and I hope you had a great weekend. Let's get down to business. Hey, before we get into wrestling, before we get into a number of things from the world of sports, let me just take a moment and say thank you. This past Friday, we found out that we are now in the top three in sports news podcasts in Canada. It is unbelievable to me to think that less than 100 episodes into this show that we have found our way amongst the elite when it comes to sports news broadcasts and podcasts north of the border. We rank in the top 10 in four different countries, but in Canada, my home, it is so nice to see that Sports Bar Radio is finally starting to connect. Hey, it doesn't happen overnight. Some of these podcasts take a little while to get the traction that is needed to truly turn the corner. And as we get close to our 100th episode, which is next week, for J-Swing, everybody at Equity Guru, and myself, we all collectively want to thank you for making us either your lunchtime listen, something that you enjoy on your commute home, maybe you're at your office, maybe you're wherever. Just the fact that you're listening means so very much to me and uh, everybody behind the scenes. So again, thank you for doing this. Okay, before we get to wrestling, before we get to Major League Baseball and the collapse of the Toronto Blue Jays, before we get to all of it, let me get you to that one story that goes just a little bit higher than everybody else. Let me get you to the lead. We've scoured the globe for the stories that matter to you. Okay, well, let's be honest. Rob picks most of the stories, so maybe they matter more to him? Anyways, pull up a chair and let our bartender pour you a cold one because there's a lot going on in your world today. Okay, so today should have been the 43rd birthday of the late Kobe Bryant, and I think even to this conversation, it's still a little perplexing to me that he is not here. One of the greatest basketball icons, uh, one of the true good guys in the game of basketball as well. When you think of everything he did in the community, everything he did with his family, it was accentuated in his passing when he realized all the things that he was doing, not just for basketball, but for amateur basketball, and not just for amateur basketball, but amateur female basketball. I mean, there's so many layers to Kobe Bryant that I think, even to this conversation, it's still a little surprising that he's not here. And... You know, the one thing that I've really come to appreciate is in the 18 months since he passed, you are what your legacy is. And I really believe that Kobe Bryant even understood this before his passing. I'm going to play you a little clip from a presentation that he had. Now, there's a little bit of the hoity-toity music in the background, but this is a great, I guess, look into the mind of Kobe Bryant as to what he thought his role in the universe was. And I think this speaks to who... Kobe Bryant was upon his passing. As time went on, 20 years had passed. And he felt that he had accomplished all that he set out to accomplish. But what he come to realize is that the goal that he set out initially of becoming the greatest of all time was a very fickle one. And what he realized that the most important thing in life is how your career moves and touches those around you and how it carries forward to the next generation. But he realized 
that's what makes true greatness. Well, the story would be about transformation of a kid looking inwardly to then growing up and understanding the importance and the power of looking outward. It's a great feeling to know that you set a goal for yourself and you were able to reach that goal and to knock it down. If I had the power to turn back time, I would never use it. I don't think about it. Because then every moment that you go through means absolutely nothing, because you can always go back and do it again. So it loses its flavor, it loses its, its beauty. When things are final, you know, moments won't ever come again. To be able to have the power to go back and re-experience those things is, it's silly to me. When you take that jersey off for the final time, how do you think you're gonna feel? Very at peace with it and, um, I'm very thankful you know, for, the, for the 20 years that I've had. And um, ready to go. Yeah, he's just one of those minds that I think you don't give enough credit to. You think of all the game-winning shots and everything he did on the court, but he was really well-versed. And this was apparent even early on, 17, 18 years old. Uh, people had caught wind that he spoke multiple languages. And even though he came out of high school, he was advanced. And his father had played in the NBA. And you just think of the way that he handled himself in the later stages of his career, uh, you know, through his career for the most part. And it was really interesting to see when he let you into his inner circle, what he would reveal to you. I had a chance to catch up with Cabral Richards. You probably know him as Cabby on the Street. Cabby, uh, one of the great TV interviewers in the world of sports north of the border. And he had an unbelievable relationship with Kobe Bryant. So I was in Las Vegas just before the pandemic started. And I caught up with Cabby when he was at Caesars Palace getting ready for one of his shows. He does a show with Bleacher Report down there. I was at Park MGM doing a show of my own. And we got together and I asked him a little bit about Kobe. This was just days after Kobe Bryant had passed and uh, you could still hear a little bit of the pain in his voice. I don't know that I have yet because first of all, he was obviously as, as famous uh, a celebrity to leave us so early and in a, such a tragic way as you can imagine. I mean, Michael and Prince left us, you know, they were in their fifties. They left us in their sleep. Kobe's accident was just way more tragic. And there's so much video of Kobe. There's so many photos. So it, in a, in a weird way, it's still, it feels like he's still with us mm. because it wasn't like, you know, and yes, there's a finite amount of video and, but there's still a lot of video that people haven't seen. I just saw something the other day of him coaching like in a, in a locker room coaching, you know, Gigi's basketball team. So there's much more of that to, to come. Um, and uh, as far as, uh, you know, coming, coming, coming in peace with it, I'm, I'm going to go to the, uh, I'm not sure when you're posting this, but I'm going to go to the memorial in Los Angeles. And then I'd like, I'm going to go to his, uh, um, the private, his site and just pay my respects. But, um, you know, I, I mean, I was devastated like everybody else. And, you know, the, obviously the other part of the tragedy was, I mean, he was taking his daughter to a basketball game, you know, and just when people heard that part of it, it was like, it's like another wave of emotion just hit the public, like, uh, and just to be helpless in that moment. You, I'm, sure, I'm not a parent, but I can imagine every parent's greatest fear is something happened to their, happening to their child and wanting to protect their child. And in that situation, he couldn't. So, 
that part just kind of shakes me to the, to the core. But um, eventually, I'll come to peace with it. But right now, I'm still in... Even though I'm sad, I'm still just celebrating his life. I'm watching old interviews. I'm watching clips. There have been so many incredible celebrations of his life and so many incredible montages. NBA did an unbelievable job um, at, during the All-Star Weekend, and we'll see many more of these um, of these pieces and these um, celebrations of his life. Happy is like such a good dude. A couple of days before I went down there, because we were doing Rob Fay Nation Radio on location at Park MGM, and Park MGM at the time wanted to do a show right after Vegas Golden Knights games, and they were um, looking for an on-site show that after the game, people who were coming out of the arena at T-Mobile had a chance to, you know, go and maybe watch. And what was really cool about that is I knew a couple of guys at Park MGM, and they said, well, why don't you bring down your show, and we'll test your show to see if it's viable for us to be able to do. And I was just like, dude, of course I would. What, I'm going to go down to Las Vegas for a week and do these shows? It was awesome. But Caesars Palace was already doing this, but they were doing it more for the NFL. And Cabby, after doing all the stuff that he did in Canada, went down to Las Vegas and was working with Ojo Cinco. He had his whole staff down there, and they were way ahead of what Park MGM was doing. So I reached out to Cabby through email, and I'm like, hey, I'm a guy from Vancouver. I'm looking to come down. I interviewed you like 15 years ago. Would you be interested in hooking up for a quick Q&A? Within hours, Cabby got back to me. And within hours, he was like, yeah, come on down. Let me know when you're here. I'll show you around and away we go. So here I am, all of a sudden, pack my stuff, go down to Vegas, set up a Park MGM, do a couple of these shows, and uh, we get a chance to hook up. I've never met Cabby in person prior to this conversation that I have with him at Caesars Palace. And it was like you had known him for 15, 20 years. Comes up, big hug, big embrace. Let me show you around. Introduce me to Ocho Cinco, who was hanging out with a couple of friends as they were getting ready for their show. And we sat down. And before I even turned on the recorder to do that Q&A that you just heard, we might have talked for 15, 20 minutes. And some of it was about Kobe. And I don't feel bad bringing this kind of stuff up, but he was still devastated. Like in what you just heard right there, he was pretty good. He kept it together. He's a media guy. He understands what I needed. But you could truly see how hurt he was days after the passing of Kobe Bryant. It was a big deal. Like it really rocked a lot of people. And then you think of the people that actually had relationships with him. I think it was almost surreal because Kobe was larger than life. And um, I really got a feel for that when I was interviewing Cabby. And I still to this conversation appreciate the time he made for me that day he didn't have to he brought me in he showed me all around he showed me the technology how they did it how they did it to be successful and then after all of that sat down and gave me a 15 minute interview that included his inner thoughts on Kobe Bryant I uh I'll remember that for a long time now if you want to fast forward oh gosh 20 years and if you've listened to Rob Fay Nation radio you've maybe heard me tell this story but I'll just abbreviate it just again celebrating the birthday the 43rd birthday today of the late Kobe Bryant I remember when I was still working at Rogers Cable, Rogers Communication, the TV show was called In Sport, and people laughed at the show because it was this like bootleg show that was on cable Sunday nights, but that was really where I cut my teeth, because whether it was a bootleg show or whatever, I got a press pass, I got to go to these things, and it was, um, was kind of little pride swallowing because the people at the Grizzlies never gave me the seats that they gave to the regular media. I was always kind of shipped off in the corner, but it didn't matter because when it came to the times for interviews, when it came to the scrums, the pregame shoot-arounds, I was in there with everybody. 
and one of the greatest moments that I think I'll ever remember from those early days of me cutting teeth with my stupid little press pass around my neck was right at the end of the game. Uh, it was the Grizzlies and the Lakers. All of a sudden, walking down the hall is Kobe Bryant. And it just so happened that I was doing a story on rookies at that time. And so Kobe was in his second year, and I thought, boy, there's a guy that just last year was a rookie, had his headphones up around his ears and was waiting for everybody to get done. He finished really quick. He was ready, waiting for the bus. They were going to go to the airport and get out of town. I don't know what I was thinking. Maybe it was my naivete of being a new guy in the business, or maybe I didn't understand how it went. But I was with my camera lady, and Kobe's walking down the long corridor at uh, what was then GM Place. And I just stepped out. And I'm like, hey, Kobe, my name's Rob. I do a TV show here in Vancouver. I'm doing a story on rookies, and would you be interested in give me a minute or two of your time? I don't know what I was thinking. But Kobe, who couldn't have been more than, what, 18, 19 at the time, looked at me, and he says, yeah, man, let's do it. So right away, I look at my camera lady, and I'm like, let's go. I think her name was Phyllis. So anyways, now she's like putting her camera back together because she's all packed. She's ready to go home. She thinks we're about to get into the van and go back to Surrey and just call it a night. So sure enough, click, click, click. Everything's ready to go. She looks at me, thumbs up. I go, Kobe, let's go. So I ask him stupid questions. <laughs> so I don't think I was nervous. I just think I was unprepared. And so I'm asking him questions like, what's it like to be a rookie? And he was so cool about it. We ended up talking for like, I want to say good 10, 11 minutes, maybe 12 minutes. Think about that. Kobe Bryant, waiting for the bus to leave, gives this dude who just stepped out from the side of the corridor an exclusive 10, 11-minute interview. And he answered all my questions, and he was super cool about it. Pretty low-key, didn't have a lot to his voice. It was kind of monotone back at the time, but, man, he was cool as a cucumber, man. So afterwards, we finished up. I kind of packed it up. I said, Kobe, thank you so much. He just went on his way, put his headphones back down over his ears, and that was it. I remember thinking to myself on the way back to the station that that was really one of my first big ever gets because I knew that I had something that nobody else had, and I couldn't get over it. I was calling my producer on my big old Motorola phone. You remember those big gray phones that had the orange numbers on them, the digital numbers? I was so excited. And we get back to the studio. Now, again, Rogers Arena downtown, then GM Place. We have to drive all the way back to Wally, like 104 in King George. And we finally get there. And it was back in the days when they shot with these cameras that had these beta tapes in them. It wasn't digital. <laughs> Trust me. It was the old tape that you had to take out. So sure enough, we get back, and immediately I want to see the footage. I'm like, oh, my God, this is going to be great. The show's in a couple of days. This is going to be groundbreaking. You know, a young idiot thinking that I had just, you know, all of a sudden become Walter Cronkite. So we put the tape in, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, no. And no, 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 no. She did record. Phyllis did record. But in the craziness of trying to get that camera ready as fast as she could so that we could get this interview so that he didn't change his mind... We didn't add the light to the top of the camera, which is essentially what you do anytime that you're shooting when there's a light behind you so that you can offset it. So it ended up looking like Kobe Bryant was pretty much in a witness protection video because the light from behind Kobe was so bright, it wouldn't have mattered if you were Caucasian, Asian, East Indian, black. You would have looked like you were in a witness protection video. My heart sank. I was just like, oh, my God. I couldn't believe it. Like, I was mortified, and I couldn't even be mad because it was so spur of the moment. 
But I remember thinking the next day when I was talking to Jim Thompson, who was a producer of InSport, how are we going to figure this out? I can't remember if it was me or if it was Jim, but one of us or both of us came up with the idea of we're not going to lose this interview. So why don't we do it as if he's calling in from Los Angeles? So we ended up extracting all of the audio, dumping the video, and just doing a Q&A. So we chopped up all of the answers to all of his questions. And when we went live at 7 o'clock, wouldn't you know it, that was me talking with Kobe Bryant, quote-unquote, on the phone and still getting the interview. And I had people that were calling me like, dude, great offer. They were like, dude, that's amazing. You got Kobe Bryant on the phone from down in Los Angeles. Like, how'd you do that? How'd you get his number? I never told people at that time that that was actually in person because I was, you know, theater of the imagination. That's what you got to do. It's the business. But I go back beyond all of the chaos that that ensued. And I think to that young guy, the teenager walking down the hall and somebody steps out and says, hey, can you do me a solid? And he did me that solid. It's my claim to fame. I'm sure people have many better stories than what I had. But when I look back at good athletes and good guys, it's amazing what a first impression can do. It's amazing that when an athlete simply takes a couple of minutes of his or her time, it doesn't even have to be a couple minutes, but a couple of seconds, a smile or a head nod or a wink or something that, that brings you into their world. It's amazing. And I think about that to this conversation because there are certain athletes that I've come across that you just, you feel their disdain for the media. You feel that they just don't want to be there. They've got nothing to do with it. And maybe they got stuff going on in their world that we don't know about. So, you know, never hold it against them. But it's not so much the people that you don't connect with. It's the people that you do connect with. And I will never, ever, ever forget the time that Kobe Bryant, and I'm not saying this for a name drop or because it's his 43rd birthday. I just remember him being one of those few stars that was willing to give me some of his time and make me feel like I was 10 feet tall. It was really something surreal. Like, I was so lucky back in those days because I got, even with my little press pass, I got to be a part of scrums with Michael Jordan and Phil Jackson, Patrick Ewing, all the guys that came through Vancouver with the Vancouver Grizzlies over those five-plus years. I was there. I got to see it with my own eyes. And even though I was sitting in the cheap seats, I wasn't sitting on media row with all the big names. I was still in the building, and when the cameras turned on and the players stepped up to the microphones, I was in the building as well. I mean, you know what, man? There's so many stories that I could go down memory lane with. I mean, basketball, baseball, women's hockey, it has been, um, been kind of surreal, come to think of it. It's been one of those, you know what, I'll have to save this for another day. we got a lot to get to. I, trust me, I could do this whole show just talking about that stuff, but um, let's do it another time, shall we? Because there was a lot of stuff that went on in the world of sports. There was a boatload of stuff that went on in the world of sports. And I am going to include wrestling. Yes, I am. I'm going to include stuff from the squared circle in this one. Because you know what? The VIP room is brimming with opportunity. It's brimming with stories. So let me get you into that aforementioned room. Where we keep all of the stories from the past weekend. Let me take you into the VIP room. You knew tonight was going to be a good night, didn't you? Guys, the ladies don't want you wasting their time, so get to the point. Ten topics, ten minutes. Hold on to your drinks because we're about to bring you the entire world of sports before the DJ can pull out the vinyl for his next set. Welcome to the VIP room. Welcome to the VIP room. 
All right, so I'm going to start with wrestling. Yes, we'll get to the Blue Jays. We'll get to the NFL. We'll do all of it. But this was a monumental weekend. In the squared circle, the wrestling fans went crazy. They marked out totally over the course of the weekend. And if you want in-depth stuff, go to NEW WrestlePod and uh, Jay Bowman, the Stanchion White, Arn, and Mike Paris will break it down six ways to tomorrow. But I will really quickly, in just a minute or two, break down everything that happened. So the big ticket item over the past, what, six, seven weeks has been the return of CM Punk. And he finally makes a return in his hometown of Chicago at the United Center, and it was electric. Like, listen to this. So in wrestling terms, that is called pop. How much reaction can you get from the crowd upon your music playing or your entry into the arena? I would put that probably top five over the last like six or seven years. CM Punk is one of those guys that is a Mark's favorite because he's not the corporate guy. If you remember the pipe bomb from several years ago when he said that the WWE might finally be able to turn the corner when Vince died and that his doofus son was going to take over. Like those are the moments right there where CM Punk not only returns but returns to the competition of the WWE. I'll tell you this, AEW has done everything right. And so far, so good in really becoming a thorn in the side of the WWE. But you knew that Vince and the Triple H and that the powers that be over on the other side of the equation were taking note. Yes, AEW got the pop that they sought. And everybody right now is wondering if CM Punk and Brian Danielson and all of the guys that have been released recently are going to help bolster that roster even more. AEW is no joke. If anything, their numbers right now are parallel and sometimes better TV-wise than the WWE. So that was the punch from AEW. What was the counter punch? Well, here was one of them. Oh my God! Let's go! Uh, yeah, let's just say a lot of people were trying to sell that one big time. My thanks to AEW and WWE for the audio. I do want to say this. That is a great angle because right in the middle of Roman Reigns, the head of the table who's being guided by Paul Heyman, Paul Heyman's previous guy is the guy that just came back to WWE and Brock Lesnar. So if they go Lesnar reigns with Paul Heyman in the middle, I got to think, and God, I hope WWE milks this. I hope they can at least get a couple of pay-per-views out of this one. That is a awesome storyline. And you know that if anybody can sell that, it is Paul Heyman, the manager 
of Roman Reigns and previously the manager of Brock Lesnar. Now, the other one that came back of notable, and yes, I know Edge got back into the ring and he had a great fight, but I will say this. The one letdown from the weekend was not the fact that Becky Lynch returned, but it's the fact she beat the current SmackDown champion, Bianca Belair, in 26 seconds. Bianca Belair is one of the bright young lights in the squared circle. Fans have gotten over on her, and yes, we know that Becky Lynch is, quote, the man, and that Becky Lynch, before she went and had her baby with Seth Rollins, uh, was as hot as a pistol. Like, Becky Lynch, at her prime, was unparalleled. But I feel terrible for Bianca Belair. That's not how a champion should get put down. There's no way that you have a 25, 26 second match and change belts. And I think the fans were put off by that. I think there's a lot of people even to this conversation today that are sitting back saying, you could have done so much more with that. Which makes me wonder if that wasn't done on purpose. And a lot of people are speculating that it was to show the true impact and the energy and the electricity that Becky Lynch has. That's Becky Lynch's first return to the ring. Maybe she's not ready. Maybe she's not ready for a full return health-wise because she's still getting in shape, because she's not ready to truly come back 100%, but because AEW had been doing so well in the ratings, because AEW brought CM Punk back and they had all the momentum, that maybe they rushed Becky Lynch back so that they could get the pop back and some of the momentum, not just in the men's division with Brock Lesnar, but the return of Becky Lynch on the women's side. I gotta think that that's a part of the equation. That maybe she's still several weeks away from being true match ready. Like maybe she's not ready for a 10 minute set with Bianca Belair. Maybe they haven't had the chance to get her up to full speed. So you wanna bring her back, you wanna have the pop, you wanna have the storylines. Well, you got it. She's now got the SmackDown Championship, but at the expense of a talent that I think is very, very underappreciated. I hope that they do something strong for Bianca Belair down the road. I'm not sure where she goes from here, but uh, yeah. All right, speaking of pain, let's get to the Toronto Blue Jays because a couple of weeks ago, I was sitting here talking about the fact that they were a couple of games out of the postseason, that they were as hot as a pistol. They went out and they got Jose Barrios. They went out and did everything that they had to do to make themselves a contender. And then all of a sudden, the last two weeks, everything's gone south. The 0-2. That's good stuff. Froze him. And the Tigers win it in 11 and win the series in Toronto. Yeah, it's been pretty tough sledding for the Toronto Blue Jays, who are 3-7 in their past 10, 11 and a half games back at Tampa Bay in the American League East. The saving grace is they are four and a half games back in the wildcard standings. But boy, do they have to leap over some teams if they want to get there. And one of the teams that they're chasing the New York Yankees, who just happen to be 9-1 and one in their past 10, winners of nine in a row. They are the hottest team in baseball. I tell you this, Tampa Bay, New York, and Boston, it's almost unfair that they are all in a division with the Blue Jays. And Toronto right now, we talked about, quote-unquote, having the easiest schedule the rest of the way. It doesn't matter how many runs they can score. That bullpen is just not doing them any favors right now. So again, Blue Jays 3-7 and seven in their past 10, getting ready to take on the Chicago White Sox, who just happen to be the best team in the American League Central. At 72-53, and 53, they are nine and a half games better than Cleveland in that division. Now, who is the team with the worst record? I could probably just pre-record this and do this for the next three years. Baltimore Orioles have lost... Eight 
15 games in a row. They are 38 and 85. That is an unbelievably bad season. 38 games out of first place, 31 games out of the wild card, and they've been brutal for years. I just don't know how that fan base puts up with this. I mean, since the Jose Bautista bat flip, they've been miserable. I mean, they've been really bad. All right, let's really quickly just update you on the league leaders around baseball. San Francisco leads the Dodgers by two and a half games. It's a two-horse race. San Diego, 13 games out of first place, but just one game back of the wild card. Two and eight in their past 10. They let go of their pitching coach today. I don't know what's going on in San Diego. Well, I do know they've got one of the best pitching rotations in baseball and right now just aren't getting it done. So yeah, they're going to bring in the interim pitching coach and try to finish up strong. Milwaukee with a seven and a half game lead on Cincinnati in the National League Central. And for those who are wondering, Rowdy Telez in his 36 games with the Brewers, hitting a respectable 287 with six home runs and 20 RBI. Seattle Mariners, 7-3 in their past 10, getting ready to take on the Oakland A's in Oakland. Seattle at 67-58, nine games above 500, six and a half games back of Houston, just three out of one of those two wildcard spots in the American League. And Atlanta leading Philadelphia by five games in the National League East. Sorry to bounce you around there, but uh, again... Blue Jays running out of time to make a go of it. And uh, by the way, one other thing that includes Toronto, Miguel Cabrera with his 500th career home run. It came off of Toronto Blue Jays' Steven Matz. It is the 345th pitcher that Cabrera has taken out of the ballpark and said, quote, it wasn't even a strike. Okay, to the hardwood we go. Very quickly before we go south of the border, we want to celebrate the Edmonton Stingers of the Canadian Elite Basketball League. They won their second straight championship, hammering Niagara. They were by far the best team in the Canadian Elite Basketball League this past year. Fraser Valley getting bounced in the semis. But again, Xavier Moon and company just so much better than the rest. And Edmonton has got something special brewing on the other side of the mountains. Okay, south of the border, things between the Philadelphia 76ers and Ben Simmons does not appear to be getting any better. A report coming out that suggests Ben Simmons will not even attend camp if he isn't dealt. Simmons with a very tumultuous finish to his time in Philadelphia, if in fact it is finished, I gotta think that it is. The problem is the asking price seems to be astronomically high for a guy that right now is coming off of one of the worst playoff showings that we've seen in recent memory. And yesterday, very quickly, news coming out of Atlanta that the Hawks are hiring Nick Van Exel as an assistant coach, according to ESPN. Well, to the NHL and to the ice in general, it has been a very tough weekend. Former NHL player Jimmy Hayes passing away at the age of 31. Now, the cause of death is not known at this time. He leaves behind a wife and two children. His brother Kevin plays for the Philadelphia Flyers. He is also Matthew and Brady Kachuk's cousin. And closer to home here in British Columbia, actually the Lower Mainland, back on Saturday, a car accident taking the lives of three junior hockey players, and it stopped everybody in the Lower Mainland in their tracks. Ronan Sharma, Parker Magnuson, and Caleb Reimer were the three that were identified, all from the Delta Hockey Academy, all killed when their vehicle crashed into a tree in Surrey. The Academy says it is, quote, heartbreaking and difficult to process. The National Hockey League issued a tweet yesterday in support of the team's teammates and family, and a memorial is displayed at Planet Ice Hockey Rinks out in Delta. A number of flowers, some candles, three hockey sticks, and the jerseys of the three players who are no longer with us. 
And very quickly, let's finish off on a strong note. Carson Wentz donating $250,000 to Haiti's Earthquake Relief Fund, saying that he, quote, wants to restore some hope suggesting that there is great need for medical supplies, medication, food, clean water, and shelter. That 7.2 earthquake reportedly killed over 2,000 people, leaving thousands injured. And this is just over a decade later after that previous earthquake killed nearly 250,000 people. All right, that wraps up today's episode of Sports Bar Radio. My thanks to everybody with Equity Guru. My thanks to Jay Swing, my brother from another, and to everybody over at Equity Guru, including Chris Perry, Galen, Asan, J.P. Chung, and the irreplaceable Priscilla Choi. Until we do this again tomorrow, I look forward to joining you on Tuesday again one more time. Thank you so much for making me one of the most listened to sports news podcasts in Canada. We finished in the top three, and I can't wait to see if we can continue to build this together. Please like, please review, please subscribe, and let me know what you think. Hit me up on Twitter, at Rob Fay, which is R-O-B-F as in Frank A-I. I would love to hear from you. And more than anything, don't forget tomorrow, listen to N-E-W Wrestle Pod. As, uh, yeah, our three guys, Mike Harris, Jay Bowman, and the Stanchion Wyatt Arndt are going to let you know what the card is for NEW1. Yes, September 11th from the Gaming Stadium. My new promotion along with Chris Perry, NEW, is going to announce the matches that you can enjoy when you join us at 7 p.m. on September 11th. Until we do this again, I'm Rob Fay. Have yourself a fantastic day. And thank you for checking in on Sports Bar Radio. I will see you tomorrow. Sports Bar Radio was brought to you by Equity Guru, investment information for the new generation. Visit us at equity.guru and let's make some money together. Please note, any mention of companies on this podcast is part of a promotional campaign, and the information you hear should be a part of extensive due diligence. As well, always get advice from an accredited financial advisor before you make any investment decision. Protect yourself.